Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point-of-sale system you can trust, or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. While British Columbia has decided to sue pharmaceutical companies producing opioids, pain patients, chronic pain patients, are in very, very dire straits. Their opioids are being refused by doctors and pharmacies are refusing to fill prescriptions that are hard to obtain. I spoke with Tina Petrova, film producer from Toronto. Her film is Pain Warriors. And Suzanne Stewart is a pain patient. She's also a columnist for the Pain News Network. She sent me an email earlier in the week. She may be considering to take her own life. She's a Toronto award-winning filmmaker. She's very active in the arts community. Marvelous woman who has just finished a documentary film called Pain Warriors. She's a pain patient herself. In 1997, she was driving in the California desert. She uh, came upon a hitchhiker who asked for a ride. And when Tina dropped off the hitchhiker, the hitchhiker, and reading from Tina's piece here, peered in the window and said in a solemn voice, don't drive off the cliff today. Well, you don't need to be psychic to know what happened next. My sturdy white jeep rounded the corner as unforeseen snow began to fall fast and furious from an otherwise clear and sunny day on the desert floor. My jeep apparently hit black ice. I spun out of control and my jeep spiraled down the mountainous rocky cliff below to the rocky cliffs below. As I clung to the steering wheel for dear life, my life flashed before me and the dreaded feeling that I might die filled my entire being. Last year, 2017, marked the 20th anniversary of this life and death accident. Since then, my life has changed 180 degrees. Like many intractable pain patients, I had to relearn how to walk, dress myself, and take care of myself from a place of brokenness, despair, financial ruin, and loss of community and support. She's just finished a film called Pain Warriors. Hi, Tina. Hello, Roy. Thank you so much for having me on the show. And I just listened, you know, for the um, preamble there to my interview. And I have to say thank you so much for being such a vocal advocate and activist on behalf of people with intractable pain. As you know from your experience and, um, you know, from your, your own personal life, that intractable pain is something that's really not recognized by society. I actually pulled out an old article from Chatelaine magazine, uh, February 2013, and the title of it is The Scary Truth About Our Pain Problem. And I would really like to say that things have evolved and changed since then, and society is more enlightened about the way that they see and treat chronic pain, but as you know, that's 
that's not the case. And there was just another little um, piece of the article I highlighted that I really, really want to share on air. A nationwide survey by the Canadian Pain Coalition found that 53% of Canadians don't believe chronic pain exists. On the other hand, an Angus Reid poll found 70% of Canadians believe there is intelligent life on other planets that lives among us at this time. Hmm. So I think that's the very crux of it, is Mm -hmm. that chronic pain is really disbelieved. There's not like a blood test or an MRI that can definitively diagnose chronic pain. And so basically it's subjective. You know, you go into a doctor and you say, I'm suffering from pain. It's not being relieved. And, you know, if the doctor is upholding their Hippocratic oath, then they're going to say, I believe the patient. You know, you have to. You have to believe the patient first and foremost. There's always going to be people that try to scam insurance companies, the medical profession, you know, in all areas of life. But I think first and foremost, it's upholding the Hippocratic Oath of believe the patient. Mm-hmm. What is what they're saying is happening is happening to them. Yeah. Well, when you referenced uh, my personal life, I've told, I told you, I don't mind sharing this. I've said it on the air. When my wife was uh, dying of cancer, uh, it was almost impossible to get her the the amount of opioid pain medication that she required to provide her even with a modicum of relief. These people were prescribing one and two milligrams several times a day. This was useless. She might as well just have had a glass of water. And and it happens time and time and time and time again. And it actually is much worse than that. Now, you suffer with chronic pain from that horrible accident you had in 1997. I do have intractable pain. And actually, my mother suffered from horrible chronic pain. I'd say the last 20 years of her life, for sure, she passed away a few years ago from age 70 to age 90. And she used to say to me every day, this is not a life worth living. Her sister, my aunt, was in hospice for about a year and a half. And even though she did have several years ago quality care, I mean, she suffered needlessly. I mean, even with even with pain medication that's now off the table, that did not even touch the amount of pain she was in. Now, I myself am not on an opioid regimen. I um, attend um, a pain clinic, the Jacobs Pain Clinic, that really um, use um, different modalities to help work with the patient to control their pain. And I'm very fortunate to have found a compassionate pain doctor who really knows his stuff He thinks out of the box, and he really understands that chronic pain is a result of a damaged system in the body. It's not unlike you have a heart attack, and so the heart is damaged, the cardiovascular system. So he really believes that, you know, when a patient has chronic pain, Mm -hmm. there is a damaged system in the body, that it is very real. And so I get something called paravertebral nerve blocks, like what the dentist would give you, like lidocaine or a pain block on a biweekly basis. And without that, I would have zero quality of life. It's so terrifying that people actually face this. Not everybody, um, I mean, for many people, the opioids are the only thing that work, or it's the only thing, the only, the only choice they have. 
because they don't have access to a clinic or they live far away from it. It's just not, it's not well, there for them. The but tell me, thing, tell me this before we, we're yeah. going to take a break in two minutes. Yes. And then we're going to introduce Suzanne Stewart yes. to our conversation. Tell us and uh, spend the next two minutes and tell us about pain warriors. Okay, so pain warriors, um, the idea was birthed about four or five years ago, and it's gone through a very organic development. Um, an earlier partner and myself set up a website called Chronic Pain TV to help people with what to do next when they were first diagnosed with a chronic pain um, condition. In 2013, I co-founded Give Pain a Voice, a Canadian nonprofit, to advocate for pain patients. And then the outgrowth of that was the film Pain Warriors, which I'm currently um, producing with my creative partner, Eugene Weiss. And I really realized with what's been happening in the media is there's just a total dismissal of pain patients. I mean, I really don't read about us. Our stories are not being featured in the media. And while the opioid crisis is valid and real, and it should be faced head on, undertreated, undermanaged pain that leads to suicides is also equally important. And that is the reason that we are making this film, is we are filling a void of telling our stories, the stories of people who have been abandoned by the medical system, who are going undertreated, and people who are really facing a lifetime of probable intractable pain, including an 11-year-old boy who has given up on therapy and doctors, and he says, this is my reality now. I just have to live with it. How sad is that, that an 11-year-old boy has to say that this is my life now, and that is why we are making the film. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point-of-sale system you can trust, or is it a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory— Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com system. Intractable pain is what we're talking about. As uh, more governments are suing manufacturers of opioids and pain patients are going to suffer more and more, there'll be more suicides... And uh, the argument continues to be that the opioid crisis is killing uh, drug addicts or people who become addicted to drugs through opioid pain meds. Well, that just is not what happens. We're in very, very, very low percentages. Does anybody who takes opioids for pain become addicted to them? And this is one of the things I want to debate with doctors and the College of Physicians and Surgeons. I'm just a radio guy. They're the ones with all the ammo. But they won't talk to me because they know their ammo is fake when it comes to dealing with pain patients. I'm going to be speaking with Claudia Morandi coming up, uh, Crohn's Warrior, founder of Don't Punish Pain Patients. She's a pain advocate, and she is organizing a national protest on the 18th of September in Canada. Tina Petrova is with me. We've been talking to Tina about intractable pain, which she suffers with or lives with. She's the award-winning filmmaker and co-founder of Chronic Pain TV and Give Pain a Voice. The production company is 
Visionary Media, and she's the executive producer of the documentary Pain Warriors. And joining us now is Tina's good friend, Suzanne Stewart, who's been a guest on this program as well. She lives with intractable pain. She's the recipient of the Pain Ambassador of the Year Award in 2016, staff columnist for the National Pain Report, and her blog is Tears of Truth. That's at tearsoftruth.com. There's more about Suzanne as well. Hi, Suzanne. Hello. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it's good to talk to you again. I'm rather anxious to find out what's happened to you this week, but I'm a little scared to find out as well. So can let, let me just continue with, with, well, I'm sure you want to say hello to each other. Hey, Suzanne. <laughs> hello, sweetie. How are hey, you? Hey, <laughs> Nice to hear from you. And uh, Roy, um, we're just, you know, enormously grateful on behalf of the American and the Canadian pain community. The issues now are very parallel and similar. And it's great that you have an, an American and a Canadian, uh, you know, talking about what's happening. And Suzanne, it's not dissimilar. We are in the same boat. And really, I, I'm not, I don't, I wish I didn't have to say this, but I'm about all you've got in media in North yeah. America. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I have, re- I've, I've sent out press releases. I've even tried to engage the main pain organizations in Canada. I've sent passionate pleas with them to co-sponsor the film, to get involved, you know, and I have not even got a courtesy email back. Not It's radio silence is that, you know, when we bring forward this issue is like, it's like a 10-foot pole is I find that there's just not the support or cooperation so, Roy, I'm glad that you are out there. I'm on your side. Tina, tell us, please, about Sherry Little. So, Sherry Little, in the true sense of a word, was a pain warrior. And that's one of the main reasons that the title of our new documentary is called Pain Warriors. I met Sherry Little several years ago through Facebook, and we became fast friends, not, un- not unlike um, the way Suzanne Stewart and I did. And Sherry shared her journey. She was formerly an epidemiologist for a major um, health insurance company in the U.S., and she struggled with uh, occipital neuralgia, irritable bowel syndrome, fibromyalgia. And so um, at the tender age of 53, she had spent 20, 30 years seeking appropriate treatment. Now, here is someone who's an epidemiologist, she studied, she understands the study of disease. She researched her disease really well. She asked her insurer for treatments that she thought would help, and time and time again she was refused. Finally, in a last-ditch battle to save her life, she could no longer eat. Um, she was on uh, raw juices for the last eight weeks of her life. She lost about 30 pounds on her tiny frame, And she um, traveled alone on the train from San Diego to California, to Northern California, um, and hired a patient advocate who specialized in helping someone navigate through the system. And this was truly a fight for her life. She emailed me and said, you know what, if I don't get help this weekend, then I don't know how much longer that I can live in this really horrible pain. And so she spent 17 hours in an emergency room with a pain um, advocate who did that for a living, a professional, and they did not even want to admit her. 
the patient advocate had to fight for them to admit her. They finally admitted her. I believe she was in for about two days, and then something happened, and we will never quite know. Only Sherry and God will know, but she emailed her patient advocate and said, I'm scared. Everything changed. The minute you left the hospital, they took all my medications away and locked them up, and um, I'm checking myself out, and I'm going to the hotel across the street. And sadly, what happened, and again, no one was there in the final moments of her life. She died by her own hand. And we clearly, we've, you know, we've tried to uncover what happened, what was said to her, what was done, Mm -hmm. what was not done. And she's just one of those people who fell through the cracks in the system. And she was in your film as well. Yes. And she does appear. She's one of the major players in our film. Okay. And the film is dedicated to her memory. Um, And Sherry did not want to die. I think I just want to say that people don't commit suicide, you know, um, because it's something like, you, you know, that, like, I don't, I don't. It's even the know final act. It's final act of desperation. Yeah, it's the final act of desperation. Is yeah. it's not taken on lightly. And I know what I wanted to say is, it's not that they don't want to live anymore. And Suzanne gets this. They don't want to live in horrible daily, moment to moment, intractable pain anymore. And so what's happening in the current climate with medication and the CDC and the FDA is that vital medication that can give someone a small quality of life is being taken away because of a minority of people who abuse medications and sadly and a very small minority at that small very minority. small Tina and I have Tina parents. I have to take I have yes. to take a break and then we will come back and we'll talk with Suzanne Stewart as well and find out what's been going on in Suzanne's life with with intractable pain Suzanne Stewart joins us from the United States she's been with us before her blog is tears of truth and it's at tearsoftruth.com Suzanne Remind us, please, of what it is What it is you're living with. You're an ambassador, the recipient of the Pain Ambassador of the Year Award 2016, and you're a columnist, staff columnist for the National Pain Report blog. Uh, what is it you're living with, and what's been happening to you since we last spoke? I CRPS, or Complex Regional Pain Syndrome, and I have Chiari malformation, degenerative disc disease, Ehlers-Danlos syndrome, rheumatoid arthritis, gastroparesis. I have a lot. <laughs> and it started all, I mean, the systemic stuff, some of it came from the car accident and some of it, I, like the RA I was going to have anyways. But, um, yeah. So what's a day like for you? What's a, what's a typical day like for you as far as the pain in your life I is want, concerned? If I want to do anything that day, I actually just got a brand new lazy boy chair because my other one didn't work very well and i'm in that chair probably i'd say 18 hours out of 24 a day and i don't i go up to bed maybe for a couple of hours just so i can at least you know be with my husband for a little while and you know next to him and it's just uh if we're going to do something like go to um an outdoor music in the park or something like that we have to sit kind of not close to the, the speakers it's hard for me and then the next day I end up having to be down and out the whole day and just for going out for a few hours so what's been happening as far as what's been happening as far as your doctors are concerned or your doctor is concerned one in particular who has a particularly arrogant attitude toward you uh, what's been going on as far as 
you're getting your prescriptions renewed. Okay, so I did get the letter from my uh, GI specialist, and he said that he wrote a letter to the pain doctor and said the above patient has RSD with several comorbidities. She's been stable while she's got the fentanyl patch, and a switch to oral long-acting opioids could exasperate the gastroparesis. I cannot metabolize it because of the gastroparesis. And he said we strongly recommend that her pain management should not be altered unless there's some strong, convincing medical reason. She's been tolerating the fentanyl patch for more than a decade, and let's not break what's not broken, what's doing good. Well, the doctor looked at me, and he said, I don't know if I'm allowed to say what he said, but he said, that's BS, but he said the word. And um, he said his license isn't any better than mine, and if he wants you to have it, let him prescribe it. And that doctor felt so bad when I told him what happened. He said, I can't prescribe it, but I'll do anything else for you. I'll write letters. I'll talk to doctors. I'll do whatever you need, but I can't prescribe it. I'm a GI doctor. <laughs> whatever. I don't know. So what's, so, your situa- what's your situation now then? Well, because of that letter, it did help a little bit. He was going to have me go cold turkey right after the drop from 175. Um, because of that letter and because my heart doctor said that it could be dangerous because I've had a heart attack before and a stroke, and I had a mini stroke the day that I got told this information at the beginning in the middle of the night. Um, so he decided that he took me down 25% and I have to take it for a lo- I have to stretch it out over a whole extra day. And um, every 30, now 30 days, so I went from, from 100 to 75 and then 75 to 50, 50 to 25 and then nothing. Now, does this, this fills you with terror? It does. And I, I have PTSD, so I'm really scared to try to find a new doctor. I haven't really been able to do that yet because I'm, I'm like, I have PTSD of doctors now, and I'm just, I don't know. Because they'll <laughs> accuse, they'll accuse you, they'll accuse you of being a drug seeker. I haven't had that really yet myself. I've heard of a lot of people who had that. The only thing that I've heard is uh, the only thing that actually happened to me was once when I went to the ER, I was treated really badly, and now I know why, but I didn't know why then. And it's the medicine that I was on. They didn't take, I had just had surgery on my foot and the synovial joint sac had broken in my ankle and they did not care or treat it and it's very, very painful. And I had to go home and wait for the morning for the surgeon to talk to me. And I know now why, but I didn't know then. So like, it's it's really weird looking back. I couldn't figure out why they didn't care. You you ended your email to me by describing what you've gone through, essentially telling, telling me what you just told us now. Thank you, Roy. Uh, sorry, so, sorry, so long. Feel free to use it or leave it. Share it or allow me to, question mark. Whatever can be best to serve the chronic pain community, I will do. I may not be around after this. That scared me. I think that um, you were just talking in your show about the stages, and I think I'm about in the third stage right now. I'm starting to. I really put it off for 12 years, and I'm in pain a lot. I have a wonderful, loving husband. I have two wonderful daughters and granddaughters, and you know. But if I can't do anything and babysit for them or do anything, like I don't know how long I can tolerate that. I would try to tolerate it forever if I can. I don't have any plans or anything like that. But I'm just saying, I don't. I don't know. Like I'm starting to feel depressed, honestly, because I'm scared. More of a terror than depression, I guess. Even. Uh, let me step aside, Tina. Go ahead and talk to your friend. Suzanne, like, I just so get it. I mean, you know, I saw my mom go through this slow degradation and my aunt. And I, you know, I myself, I'm thinking about I'm aging and, 
the pain only, intractable pain only gets worse. And it's really a frightening prospect to think that, you know, what was there for our family even five or ten years ago is not going to be available to us. And the prospect of, you know, living with daily pain that's uncontrolled is a prospect of no life at all. And, you know, I really, really feel for you. And I just think it's draconian, you know, that the CDC and the FDA are operating under a one-size-fits-all policy. Isn't it, isn't it horrific? Isn't it horrific that we have a such a well-developed medical system that we're constantly talking about, so proud of, that can take the most terrible situations and turn them around in a dime if necessary, and yet we have millions of people in the United States I think the number, uh, projected numbers, 111 million people are living with intractable pain, some worse than others. But and 26 million on opioids. And 26 million on, op- on opioids. Now, these people are not causing problems in the main. There's few may become addicts, and the number is extremely low, 0.7% to, I think, a maximum of, I think the maximum that I read was 7%. This is why I want to talk to these enlightened individuals who want to take away all these options, the, the, the opioid option from the pain patients, but they won't talk to me because they don't have a, a leg to stand on. But we have the system, and we have the, the nuts and bolts are in place. Uh, Suzanne, if the prescription is written for you, for the medication that you've been taking for a long period of time, yes. in the manner that you've been taking it for a long period of time without any problems, you Correct. and your family would have your lives back. You'd have some quality, of, some quality of life returned to you. Yes, because I was in a hospital bed the first three years when I refused to take it. And then I finally relented and took it, and they said, trust me, trust me, and I did. And it worked. It helped me. I can't take Kratom or other things. I have a lot of heart arrhythmias and things that I can't do, other, some of the other things. So. Okay. We have a minute left. Uh, Tina, when's the film going to be available? And... Uh, do you need any help with, yeah. with, with this? <laughs> help, help. Exactly. We currently have a crowdfunding platform. Um, it's called seedandspark.com, and you do a search for pain warriors. We're in need of our final post-production funds to squeak across the finish line, and we anticipate being able to release the film in October 2018, and we appreciate any and all support that um, can come our way. And Suzanne, I just want to say thank you so much from your place of brokenness and suffering and uncertainty that you continue to be a champion for all of us, like right up until the final breath. I, I know the cost to you is great. And I personally want to thank you on behalf of the international chronic pain community for all that you do and for the voice that you have. Okay, that's all very it's very Thank well you. said and very true, and uh, I'm sorry the clock gets us, and it's done it again. Seedandspark.com, as far as Pain Warriors, the film is concerned, and then just look for Pain Warriors, and if you can help out with the final cost of putting it, this documentary out, and uh, Tina's an award-winning film producer, then it will go, I believe, a long way to telling the story that needs to be heard. Suzanne, we're going to stay in touch with you, uh, I, I wish you the very best, and we'll keep fighting. Thank you. Okay, take Thank good you care. Much. Thank you, Tina. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you. 
Hit up Apple Podcast or Google Play and subscribe to the Roy Green Show podcast. The Roy you want when you want it.